0: Hey guys, Clyde with you here. Hope you're doing well today. We're going to go ahead and dig in. We're in Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Uh, This is the part in Jesus' ministry where he has entered Jerusalem. All the people have cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. He went into the temple and then he starts doing not what they're expecting. He turns over the table. Uh, starts teaching and challenges that religious authority. Yesterday, or the last episode, that he was being challenged on, hey, what authority do you have to come in here and do this? And Jesus is engaging with that. So he's into straight conflict with the religious establishment, and today is no different today. He's going to tell a parable. Now, this is the parable of the tenants, and you've probably heard this before, but really quickly, I'm actually doing a little bit of explanation before we read the text. We will read it in its entirety, but just to help us as we read, uh, if you ever read cliff notes or there's like an answer key that kind of tells you what things stand for, let's go ahead and do that. So in this story, it's the parable of the tenants, right? And so in the story we see who, what are the characters, right? So in this story, the parable of the tenants, there's the man who plants a vineyard. Now that equals God, the father, right? That's who the man who plants the vineyard is God, the father, right? That's who it's representing. What's the vineyard? Well, that's Israel. Israel. We see in the Old Testament that uh, Israel is, is represented by uh, the vineyard. So that's who that character is. The tenants are the religious leaders of Israel, right, throughout all history and currently And uh, when he's telling this story. So the tenants are the religious leaders. The servants are the faithful prophets that God had sent over the years to Israel. And, of course, the beloved son is Jesus. So these are the characters. Now let's go ahead and read Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower, and leased it to tenants, and went to another country. And when the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them uh, some of the fruit from the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed, and so with many others. Some they beat, and some they killed. He had still another, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him, and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left and went away. And so, by giving that answer key, who the characters are, it's pretty obvious. This parable is being told against Israel. Uh, The whole history of the Bible up to this point has been God's unfaithful nation, Israel, the people he's chosen, this vineyard. He meant them to be a light and and to be a blessing and to, to bear fruit amongst the nations, to be his covenant people that would show what it's like to worship Yahweh rightly. And they'd constantly rejected that and they failed and so god had sent prophets over and over and uh, many of them were killed so you think back to this and i was just looking this up and doing some research you think back like the servants represent the prophets right and you just look you just thumb through the old testament and see all these prophetic books and just some quick research i saw you know the prophet jeremiah was beaten and put into stocks we see that in jeremiah chapter 20 verse 2. And then the uh, tradition says that Isaiah was actually sawn in half, sawn in two. You know, Isaiah, uh, Jesus is actually alluding to the book of Isaiah when he's teaching this. And then Zechariah, he was stoned to death in the temple, which is recorded in 2 Chronicles 24, 21. And then more recently, we have John the Baptist, who was a prophet sent ahead to declare the way of Jesus, was beheaded, right? So It's not a good track record of God's relationship to his people. He would be sending prophets to tell them to turn around and come back to him. And they would either, you know, make their lives miserable, stone them or whatever, or kill them. So Israel had this history. And what's funny is Jesus has come in and many people think he's the Savior. He's the Messiah. And they're like, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then he's like, no, you're going to kill me. You don't think really high of me. You're actually going to kill me. This is no different than what you've done in the past. And that makes him angry, right? And that that he's clearly talking against them. It's uh it's, it's an indictment on who they are, not only the religious leaders but their history, uh what. So, anyways, that's the parable and I wrote a couple points. Now, I was just talking about this with my friend Keely, who's actually in the other room. And I was like, how do these points sound to you? I I tend to be like a broken record. So hopefully y'all get this. I'm going to try to explain this. But the first point I wrote was that Israel was insane. I say that all the time. That's kind of like one of the things I fling around, but sin is insane and they're insane. And the reason it's insane is, you know, I always use this illustration that they're sawing off the branch that they're sitting on. You think about how crazy this is their their recklessness or their pride in the think that there's not going to be any consequences, right? Illustrated in the parable at least, and that's what Israel's history was. And so, I mean, sin will always be exposed. You think about like if you if you kind of make it a modern uh, illustration of this parable, it'd be like if you worked at a company and your supervisor told you to do something and you said no and slapped him in the face. Well, that's not going to work out well. For, like, how do you think that's going to go, right? Okay, that's insane to do something like that because, well, like, let's follow it through. Then then they'll send, like, the middle manager, and uh, let's say you, you think, well, I'll just punch him, right? That's not going to work well. So then they, they send, like, the regional manager, and then you slash him, and then he has to go to the hospital or something. It's like What are you doing? This is not going to work for you. And then finally, like say the president of the company sends his own family member, like his son, and then you kill him, right? That's crazy. Like you're gonna be exposed. Like it's insane to think that this is going to solve any problems or be of any benefit to you. And so it's crazy because that's what Israel. That's what their history was doing. Was this parable is illustrating what they had in fact done. And so that that was my first point. Israel was insane. But I don't think the takeaway is like, hey, don't be like Israel. Because my second point was, well, we're like that too, aren't we? Our sin is insane. Our sin, it will always be outed. Uh, We can't go around being reckless thinking, you know, there's not going to be any consequences. So it's just crazy. Like this is the God of the universe we're talking about, who knows all the thoughts of our hearts. And the darkest thing about us will always be outed. will always come under judgment, even at the end of days when we have to stand and hold account for everything that we've said, done, or not done. And so Israel was insane, but we're not out of the woods yet either because we're like that too, and our sin is a, is what this parable is illustrating. We, too, are insane. Now, this reminded me of a famous quote that you've probably heard before. It's Jonathan Edwards, who's actually originally got it from this guy named Philip Melanchthon. It's a famous quote, and it's really good, but he says the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. The only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. Right. And that's exactly what's going on. Like we, we may think, and we read this parable and see what's going on and read the history of Israel and be like, don't be like them. Those idiots, like they're dumb. Right. But we're not out of the woods either because our sin is doing that. Like, We do that. Our sin is what made Jesus going to the cross necessary. Like, we are the guilty party here. Jesus speaks this against uh, the religious establishment, but he also speaks this against our hearts. Our hearts and our desire for the things that are against God are like doing the same things that this parable is illustrating. We reject Like the prophets come and say, hey, turn to the Lord, and we reject that, and we say, no, I'd rather sin, whatever it is. And so we are like that. This story is an indictment on us, but it doesn't stop there. Because what's interesting is is in verse 11, he's telling a parable, and then all of a sudden he kind of switches, and uh, he uses some different imagery. He says, verse 11, The stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone. Right, so when they're building a building, like this, the the cornerstone would hold the whole thing up, and you know the builders would like, oh, I like this stone or that stone. This is a good stone. That's not stone. so. It's like a building analogy, a building illustration. Well, here it's saying like the stone that the builders rejected has become the very thing that the whole thing is resting upon, uh, and, and this was the Lord's doing. And so that's what's going on in this. You can say like, well, don't be like Israel, but. We are like Israel. We are sinners. We did kill Jesus. Our sin is what made it necessary for him to go to the cross. And God, even he will win even when it seems like he has lost, right? They're going to kill him. He knows that. He's telling them that that's what they're going to do. So it's, he's going he's gonna to turn around victory from what looks like a defeat. But in fact, here we see here in verse 11 that God will win by losing, right? It will be his death his burial and his resurrection that reverses that curse and, and redeems us despite the fact that we're insane in our sin. And so I just, I love this story that the rejection, the humiliation the crucifixion of Jesus, even though it looks like a tragedy and it is, is that's the very thing is what God's going to use to save the people who are insane. Like praise God, we're the crazy people and he died for us to redeem us. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you today as you read these uh, scriptures for yourself. And we'll see you back on the next episode. Y'all have a good one and we'll see you then.